Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. We are so pleased that you're choosing to spend a few minutes of your day with us. Our heart and vision for the Teacher Edition podcast is to uplift and encourage Christian educators and to provide practical takeaways every single week. We know that being an educator is not for the faint of heart. We've talked about that. And I trust that tuning into this podcast is a bright spot in your week. And you know, if you have fellow educators who aren't tuning in, we would love for you to share this podcast with them. Of course, they can find us wherever they listen to their podcasts. And you know, on that note, not everyone is into podcasts. I was thinking about that this week. This is a great opportunity to introduce them to it. The episodes are short, they're on demand, and it's just a great way for teachers to learn and be encouraged on their own time schedule. So encourage them to check out the Teacher Edition podcast. Of course, we want to, again, encourage all of our listeners to subscribe to the podcast and to follow us on social media as well. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. We continue to love receiving your questions. They're great, and they add so much to the show. So take a minute to think of a question you have and then jump over to our website. And again, that's teachereditionpodcast.com. Click that record button and submit your question. It's really quick and easy, and yet it can be a help to so many other listeners as they too will get to listen to your question as well as the answer. So often, at least for me, it's just an encouragement to hear that others have the same questions or they're going through similar things. So please go on and submit those questions. And as we have questions, we will include those at the end of our interviews. So speaking of interviews, let's get started on today's topic. I am so excited to have Dr. April Trees with us today. She's going to bring great expertise from the medical field um, to our episode today. She has a pre-med degree from BJU and completed medical school at the Medical College of Virginia at Virginia Commonwealth University. She completed her residency in internal medicine through Prisma Health, and since then she has served as an outpatient internal medicine physician. She's currently the lead physician at Woodward Adult Medicine in Greenville. She's an avid reader and a runner. Of course, that's in any free time she can find in that schedule. I really appreciate April. She is approachable. She's down to earth. And she is also a very involved parent. So she brings so much to the table. She and her husband have three children. And April, in spite of all that she juggles, makes it a priority to be really involved with her children and in the Christian school where they attend. So April, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So our listeners are probably wondering what brings a medical doctor to a Christian educator podcast? Great question. Well, today I want to spend some time talking about health and wellness for teachers and for the classroom. If I can be really just very real for a minute, I don't think I'm alone in saying I get really stressed when someone talks about what I need to do to change my diet or what I need to do to lose weight or start exercising. My mind jumps to trying to figure out how on earth I could add in one more thing as an educator. Exercise, I mean, maybe at 2 a.m. and a diet. Oh, dear. Okay, I'm really lucky sometimes if I even get lunch, and I certainly do not have time to cover all those food groups. It's just really whatever's in the desk drawer. 
But you know, that isn't the right thinking. So that was a very real moment. But it's not a good moment. That's not good thinking. As an educator, I cannot be the best for my students or my colleagues if I'm not well myself and if I'm not taking care of myself. And that really includes all areas. That's physically, mentally, emotionally. And of course, as we talk about so often on this podcast, spiritually, and that really takes thought and intentionality. And honestly, we are to take care of our bodies. That's biblical. So I want to explore that in the time we have today. And this isn't to create guilt trips or give a you must do this type of stress to our listeners. But I want us to plant thoughts today and give practical ideas that our listeners can do. We have very young people depending on us every day and a lot of them. And that's stressful in and of itself, but it's a blessing and it's an opportunity and we want to be our best for them. So let's jump in. April, can we start with the basics? Food, right? A a fun topic for everyone. So teachers are on the go. That often includes skipping meals or grabbing snacks. Can you give us some practical insights on what we need to be grabbing or what can we do to maintain healthy living in our eating? So let's start with what a healthy diet looks like. I think that that's the million dollar question. We are always hearing about the latest fad diet or eat this and you'll you know be healthy forever or do this in your diet and you'll lose 20 pounds in two weeks. And so it's hard to sort through what of that is useful information or what is it um, is that's just trying to sell the latest supplement or get you to buy the latest book. Um, but in general, we can basically say a healthy diet is one that's very rich in fruits and vegetables. If that's the majority of what we're eating, we're going to be doing okay. If we're going to be eating protein, we want to be getting it from lean sources of protein, things like white meats or fish, proteins coming from nuts and legumes, beans, that sort of thing, and trying to limit the red meats and the fatty foods that we're eating in our diets. Whole grains are very good. Sometimes people say avoid all the grains. That's not necessarily true, but we should try to avoid the processed grains, the stuff that's been through multiple cycles of processing before it arrives in in our pantry. And then another thing that I've seen to be a very trendy thing lately is what oils do we use when we're cooking? Um, Generally, the studies have shown us that if we cook with olive oil or canola oil, those are the healthy options. It's been very popular in recent years to, to go with coconut oil or these tropical oils, but actually those have been demonstrated to increase our risk of various diseases, cardiovascular disease particularly. So it's best to steer clear of those. And also in general, if it's minimally processed, that's going to be better. So if it grows on a tree or it grows in the ground and it comes straight to your refrigerator, uh, those are probably your best options. If it's been processed highly, it's going to have less nutrition and probably more calories and be less healthful for you. And then, So do Hershey bars, do they grow in the ground, just to clarify? <laughs> I think those hang from trees and only in small quantities. Oh, okay, good. Only in good. small oh. quantities, yes. So oh, good. Glad we clarified. Yes. Um, a big part, though, of a healthy diet is planning ahead. Because as you mentioned earlier, teachers are busy. Everyone is busy. And if we get into this this point where, oh, I've got to just grab something because I've got, you know, I've got to get out the door in the morning to get to school on time. Or you get home and you've taught all day and you're exhausted and you've still got a ton of things to do and and you've got to figure out something for supper. If you haven't planned ahead, it's much more difficult to make healthy choices. So if you can look ahead to your week and see, oh, okay, I know I've got a teacher's conference 
after school today, we're going to get home late. So I need to plan for that. Or make out your menu for the week so that you know, okay, this is what we've got going on this week. And I want to make healthy choices for me and my family and plan what you're going to eat instead of just flying by the seat of your pants. And then hoping that you end up with something healthful in your diet, you're probably going to be less successful if you haven't planned ahead. So in general, I counsel people to look ahead, see what you've got coming up in the week, make your menu and make your grocery list accordingly so that you have the ingredients in the house so that you can cook those healthy meals. Um, and, you know, we all have great ambitions of I'm going to you know be so healthy and I'm going to have a salad every day and I'm going to make sure that I do this and that. And if we're not planning for that, it's just not going to happen. That's just not not how life works. Um, but if you can plan ahead and just think, OK, I at least want to have three healthy meals at home this week and this is what they're going to be. And I'm going to make sure I have the ingredients in the house and maybe maybe on the weekend I'm going to do a little prep work so that I have those ready for me. I think that we might be more successful. Another thing is, you know, plan your healthy snacks. Like think about, because that's that's the tricky thing. You know, you're like, you got- yeah, now you've gone to meddling. Yes, I know. <laughs> so you've got, you know, like five minutes between classes and you're hungry and you want to just grab a little something. And the easy thing is to run down to the teacher's workroom and grab that yeah, lovely secretary's item that some lovely parent has brought in. Or yes, there's that bowl of candy in the office. And I just want to grab just a couple little Hershey's miniatures because, oh, I just need a little pick me up to get me through until lunchtime. You know, two more. Classes Are you sure you're not work. a teacher? <laughs> My mom is one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we know. Um, but you know, if we can plan ahead and think, what healthy snacks can I have in my desk or can I have in the fridge so that I can grab those, we're just going to have more success. So things to think about, obviously, fruits. We always come to fruits because, you know, those are the obvious thing. But, you know, having some apple slices with a little bit of low-fat peanut butter or having um, some low-fat cheese sticks there in the fridge that you can grab, or a bag of grapes, or you know, a handful of almonds, something that you can just grab really quickly and pop in your mouth. Another good snack is like red pepper strips, or you can get these little little mini peppers now that like you just have to wash them off. That's all you have to do. You don't have to prep them at all, and you can just pop them in your mouth. Those are a good snack. Um, Carrots, celery sticks, you know, all of these things come to mind. And these days, you can even get 100-calorie packs that have rather nutritious snacks in them. So planning ahead, though, is going to be the key so that when we do have those those quick little minutes where I've only got, you know, five minutes to grab a snack, I've got something that's going to be a healthy choice for me instead of, oh, I'm going to run to the vending machine and get, you know, whatever is in there um, and I'll deal with it later. Um, something else that makes a good snack is Greek yogurt. You can get those in like 100 calorie packs or less. Um, sometimes it has fruit in it or you can drop some fruit in there or some low fat granola and stir it in. And you can get get a good snack that's got protein in it that's going to keep you full for a while without, you know, spending half of your calories for the day on that snack between classes. So just some things to think about. Yeah, that is so practical. That's right up our alley. Something quick. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the planning. And that is where we kind of crumble because we don't plan. So we just grab and yeah, perfect. That was super. So tied to that is weight. And I know that it's definitely not a favorite topic of mine. But can you share any tips or pointers, maybe even some things that we could personally look out for? 
So weight is obviously a very sensitive subject for a lot of folks. And we do know that there are a lot of health problems that are associated with increasing weight. But half the battle is knowing what we're shooting for with with weight. So what do we need to be? What's a healthy weight for a person? You know, sometimes we just gauge, well, do my jeans fit like I want them to? Or does this outfit look good on me? Well, then I'm at a healthy weight. Um, but generally, in the medical field, we look at the body mass index as a general guideline for what's a healthy weight. You can go online. There are calculators where you put in your height and your weight, and it will tell you what your body mass index is. In general, a healthy body max, that body mass index is less than 25. So if you plug your number in and you're under 25, you're probably maintaining a reasonably healthy weight. Once we get over 30, the body mass index greater than 30, that's when we're actually labeled with obesity. And the higher the body mass index, the higher the rate of various health problems. So knowing what, where you're at is, is a good starting point. The second component of that is knowing how many calories do I need in a day? Because, you know, we kind of eyeball things, but it's tr tricky. And that's going to vary based on your activity level, your age, your height. Lots of various different things go into that. So another tool that's very helpful is going online and finding a basic metabolic rate calculator where you can go online. It's called a BMR calculator. That's easier to plug into your Google search. But basically, you put in some very minimal things about yourself, your age, your gender, your activity level, and it'll give you a general idea of how many calories you need in a day. Now, it's not going to be perfect, um, but it'll give you a ballpark figure of a number of calories to shoot for during a day. Um, and that's very helpful because if we have no idea how many we need, it's easy to go over that number. Um, and then once we know where we're at and where we're trying to get to and how many calories we need in a day, some people find that it's very helpful to write down or track their calorie intake. Now, if you're at a good, healthy weight and you've been able to maintain that for a number of years, this is certainly not necessary. Not everyone needs to do this. But if you plug your number in and that BMI is a little bit higher than you'd like it to be, using a tracking tool of some sort is sometimes very helpful to help you gauge where you're at. I think it's very easy for us to underestimate how many calories are going in during a day because, you know, we've alluded to the Hershey miniatures. Well, two Hershey miniatures have 85 calories in them. So, you know, we just you know, grab a couple and we've already had 85 calories. So I think sometimes if we use a tracking tool to keep track of every bite that goes in, it's easier to realize, oh, maybe I actually am consuming more calories than I realized. One thing that you can do to try to reduce the calories going in is to substitute something that makes you feel full for those little things that might taste great for, you know, 30 seconds while you're chewing them, but then they're gone. So, you know, we've referenced the two Hershey miniatures. That's 85 calories. Two cups of watermelon, 80 calories. So, I mean, I think I would rather eat two cups of anything than, you know, two little bites. So, and I think once you start monitoring what you're eating, you're going to see, oh, this is a place that I can get a little bit more fulfillment in what I'm eating. Another thing to keep in mind is don't forget what you're drinking, because a lot of times we can consume a lot of calories through our drinks. That large latte may have 550 calories in it. So we've basically had a meal 
while we were sipping on our latte on the way into school. So, you know, I've got 1500 calories left for the day and I haven't even really eaten anything. So um, just something to keep in mind as we're trying to maintain a healthy weight. Um, I think those are some good places to start. Yeah, those are great pointers. And I, I was actually thinking while you were talking about the drinks, because that is something that's so big for educators. You know, it's just like, oh, start off my day and then you finish and you celebrate with something fun, you know, like right. a latte or a frappuccino or whatever. And we forget we didn't chew that. But boy, we just added a lot to her. Right. To our calorie intake. But you yeah, don't great. have to eliminate those completely. You can make good substitutes, okay. even with those coffee drinks. Use the low fat option. Don't use the sugar. Maybe don't add the whipped cream. There are lots of sugar-free flavors that they can add to those. So you don't have to eliminate it completely, but we can make it more healthful than just as is. Yeah, that's really, that's practical. And even just changing up some of those little things can help teachers so much. Those are things we do every day and don't think about it. And a little change goes a long way. So the dreaded topic, maybe for some of us, is exercise. Yeah. The teachers are on their feet much of the day. So I'm really hoping you're going to say that counts um, because considering their time and for some just getting started, that can be daunting to exercise, especially when you've been on your feet all day. What do you recommend for teachers? So certainly being on your feet does count for something. So oh, good. that is not neglected. And of course, you know, you're walking up and down the aisle between the students' desks. So you are getting steps in during the day. And so many people have smartwatches now that we keep track of how many steps we're taking. So certainly that counts for something. And it's kind of a general ballpark. We like people to shoot for 10,000 steps a day. If you're getting that in, and a lot of teachers probably are, then you're doing a good job. But we also tend to equate being tired at the end of the day with having been physically active. And that's not necessarily the case. So we do need to keep track of our activity level. In general, for adults, we recommend trying to get in at least 150 minutes of exercise somewhere over the course of the week. So basically, that boils down to 30 minutes, five days a week. That's walking, moderate intensity exercise. And I think that we need to plan for this just like we have to plan for the healthy diet and the other the other things that we've been discussing, because it's not going to happen if we don't plan for it. And I have found that this needs to be one of those things that's just non-negotiable, just like we would never think about going out in public without brushing our teeth and taking a shower and putting on clothes. It needs to get to the point where exercise is part of my week. At some point, I'm going to pencil it in. Um, So if we plan for it, it's going to happen. Just like, you know, we plan for other things. When you're making your to-do list for the day and thinking about all the things you need to accomplish, just add that walk in there to it. And we have found that it doesn't have to be all at once. You don't have to go for a 30-minute walk all at once. If you can just get in a few minutes here and a few minutes there, there are positive health benefits associated with that. And of course, teachers are very busy. You know, they go in early and they're with students most of the day and they're tired when they get home. I understand that. So where can we find a few minutes that we can cram something in? If you're working with the younger level, maybe when you're out at recess, you can take a lap around the playground. Or if you are blessed enough to have a planning period or the students are off with a related arts teacher, maybe we can get up from the desk and walk down the hall and back a couple of times just to get that blood pumping, get those muscles moving, get the heart rate up a little bit, just to get some exercise in where we can. 
on the lunch break if you're not with students, if you can, you know, take a lap around the parking lot, get some fresh air and some sunshine and um, get your heart pumping a little bit as well. Those are little things that we can do to try to, to squeeze it in. Now, when I'm talking with patients, and frequently they will say to me, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm tired. And I get that. We're all busy. We're all tired. Um, and, you know, when you get home, you're, you don't want to have to add one other thing to it. So I have found that for many people, even though we're not morning people, doing that exercise or at least a little bit of something before you go in for the day is one of the more successful ways to get it in. And I think that for folks who are able to exercise before they go to work, even if it's not for an hour or a prolonged period of time, even if it's just a few minutes, you'll find that your energy level is better for the day. And oftentimes, if you've exercised in the morning, you're more inclined to make more health choices as you're eating. So, you know, if you've just run for a half an hour, you're going to be less inclined to, you know, eat a McDonald's biscuit on your way into work because you don't want to counteract the good thing that you did. Um, exactly. So I think planning is the main thing. You know, maybe you've got you find that on the weekends you've got time to go do some hiking or to get outdoors or do some cycling. And maybe that's how you want to do it. But just think about something that you enjoy and then look for times in your week where you can schedule that in. Because it's not just going to naturally happen. Just like anything that's useful or worthwhile in our lives, if we don't plan for it, it's probably not going to happen. But most people, if they can kind of know what they're shooting for, they can be successful if they just plan for it. Um, and I find this to be something that is really important for modeling for young ones. Um, this is a big reason that my kids all play sports. Because I think that if you can instill the need to be physically active when you're young, it's a lot easier to do it when you're old. Um, I take care of mostly adults, um, 18 on up. I have some that are 100. And the folks who were at least physically active to some degree when they, they were young, it's so much easier once they hit their 40s and their 50s and upward, it's so much easier for them to maintain a healthy lifestyle if it's something that they got into the routine of when they were young. It's much harder, you know, once you wait for your blood pressure to start creeping up or you wait for diabetes to start creeping in. Oh, now I'm going to have to go, you know, from zero to 60. Um, it's much easier if you can incorporate that while you're young and healthy. Yeah, that's very practical. And I really love the ideas you gave that we can just do at school. Even that's just a great idea. If I, I know some friends who will intentionally even park at the end of the parking lot. So they force themselves to walk a little bit further to go back. Absolutely. And little things. And what you recommended was fantastic. Going around the parking lot, go up and down the halls, take a lap around the playground. That Those are excellent. Those are, those are doable. So that's great. Let's talk now. We talked about exercise. Now let's talk about sleep and time to rest. And it's difficult because, you know, just like you are very busy with teachers there's always papers, there's always parents, there's emails, whatever it may be. Talk to us about the importance of giving your body some time to rest. And that, you know, that could be both sleep and also in downtime. Right. And sleep is very important. We know that if you don't get adequate sleep, that you have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, of cognitive decline and dementia, of depression, of lots of different health problems high cholesterol, high blood sugar. There's lots of health problems associated with not getting enough rest. So as a general rule for adults, we recommend trying to get somewhere between seven to nine hours of sleep on a nightly basis. And obviously that's not always feasible, but that's kind of 
again, we got to have targets if we're going to achieve them. So trying to shoot somewhere between seven to nine hours. But teachers are busy. You know, the workday does not end necessarily when you get home because there's all those papers to grade and the planning for next week and the various communications with parents and all of that. And that's that's a very real consideration. Um, but we have to recognize that if we're not resting enough, then we're not going to be able to function at our best. So sometimes it's better just to say, you know what, I didn't get it done today, but I'm not going to be the best for my students and for myself if I'm not getting adequate rest. So we need to prioritize it. Just like I said, we need to prioritize the exercise. Also realizing if I'm not resting adequately, I'm not going to be able to function well the next day and going forward. So what are some tips? What are some things that we can do to make sure that we sleep well? Because not everyone does. Some people are just plagued with the inability to get good rest. Um, And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but getting regular exercise is key to sleeping well in the evening. Um, People who regularly exercise or are physically active, they sleep better at night. Um, But the caveat is don't do it right before you go to bed. Generally, we say try not to do any vigorous exercise within a couple hours of bedtime because you're going to get all those good mood endorphins thrown through your bloodstream, but you're not going to be able to go to sleep. So exercise, yes, but not within a couple hours of bedtime. Also, I think it's obvious, try to limit the caffeine in your diet. If if you're drinking caffeine really after lunch, it may impact your rest later in the day. If you're someone who really struggles with sleep, it might be worthwhile just to try to eliminate it entirely. But definitely in the evening hours, it's best to avoid the caffeine just so that we can maximize the benefits of, of sleep at night. Um, and then another thing is try to avoid screens right before bedtime. And, you know, I'm sure that much of teacher's work is done on a screen, um, but, and some of that is unavoidable. If you are working in the evening, I would encourage you to make sure that that blue light filter is turned on on your screen or use the glasses because that there are some studies that have shown that staring at that screen disrupts your circadian rhythms and can make it difficult for you to fall asleep. So if you're staring at your iPad or your laptop or you're scrolling on your phone, For a few hours right before bedtime, it's going to be difficult for your brain to shut down and move into sleep mode. Um, Another thing that we always recommend is to avoid screens in the bedroom. So don't have a TV in the bedroom. Don't be looking at your phone as you're trying to go to sleep because, again, it's going to disrupt that circadian rhythm and make it difficult for you to go to sleep. Another thing that's helpful if you're really struggling with falling asleep is to to come up with a routine every night that is your wind down routine so that your body starts to associate those activities with rest. So, you know, an hour or so before bedtime, turn off the screens, avoid the highly stimulating activities or conversations and start to wind down. For some people that might be a warm bath or reading a book, like an actual book, not one on an e-reader. Um, Something that's going to start to calm things down so that your mind starts to slow down and prepare for sleep. If you really struggle with sleep, also getting up at the same time during the week and also on the weekend is also helpful. I know a lot of times if we're tired, there's that tendency to want to sleep in and kind of make up for it on the weekends. But for folks who really have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep at night, There is evidence that sticking to a sleep schedule, whether you're on vacation or whether it's the weekend or the work week, it's helpful to stay on the same sleep routine. 
So those are the big things that are helpful for sleep. Um, as far as just rest, you know, sometimes we just need rest and that's important. So mentally, our minds benefit from some downtime. So even if you're in the middle of a very hectic day at school, when you do have those few minutes, try to actually use them for downtime. And uh, we're all driven to you're like, oh, I just want to get, you know, a little bit more done. Let me just grade this last stack of papers and then I'll take a break. And then it's one more thing and one more thing. But I think that you'll find that if you do take a five minute breather, get up, stretch, move those muscles, maybe get some fresh air and then and come back to it, you're going to feel mentally more refreshed and less stressed and therefore be able to be more efficient with your work once you come back to it. Yeah, that makes sense. I appreciate you're giving us targets. You're giving us things to work towards, just very practical. As I mentioned the other, these are doable and things that we can think about throughout the day. So we talked about some of the big parts of health, maybe some things we would think up, think of right off. But what are some other essential elements that impact our health? Like, are there other things we can look out for or have on our radar to stay healthy and be our best as educators? Most of us are not medical professionals. So just a quick flyover of an idea of any other healthy levels or things to watch out for, what would you recommend? Sure. I think it's important for teachers to take care of themselves. You know, you get into the school year and you get very busy and that kind of goes to the back burner, whether you mean for it to or not. So I think it is important for teachers to try to stay on top of maintaining their health and make sure that they're seeing their doctor at least periodically to make sure that they're staying healthy. I have a lot of teachers that I see them during the summer because that's when their schedule is more flexible. So, you know, we touch base in the summer or we touch base while they're on spring break just so we can make sure that things are proceeding as they should. Certainly not everyone has to see their doctor every six months particularly when we're young and healthy. Um, but I would say from time to time, it is useful just to make sure that we're on track. When when you're seeing your doctor, they'll be able to, to monitor things that you aren't going to be able to monitor on your own, like checking your cholesterol. That's something that, you know, we hear a lot about, but obviously we don't see that unless we have blood work done. Um, we want to make sure that, that that is in a healthy range because we know that elevated cholesterol is associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, all the bad things that we don't want to happen. So keeping a check on that, obviously a healthy diet and regular exercise will help keep that in check. Another thing that's important is to maintain a healthy blood sugar. And again, unless you're checking blood work, that's something that you're probably not going to be aware of. So touching base with your doctor on a, on a periodic basis will be helpful to keep that under control so that if we do start to see that that blood sugar is starting to creep up, you can make some changes in your lifestyle that will hopefully mitigate that. I mean, our goal as doctors is to keep our patients healthy. If I could kind of catch everything before it develops into full-blown full disease, I would be thrilled because, you know, we can give you medicines, but if we can catch things before they develop into full-on illness, that's ideal. And there are lots of things that we can do, you know, from a diet and exercise perspective to keep ourselves healthy. But some of these things we are not aware of unless we're touching base with our medical doctor um, on a regular basis. So blood sugar and then keeping a healthy blood pressure. Um, ideally, we say less than 120 over 80 for the reading is what we shoot for. Um, but again, that's something that your doctor can check in on and make sure that you're not st starting to develop an increase in that. Um, but like I've said a kajillion times, Diet and exercise go a long way towards keeping all of these things where we want them to be so that we can stay healthy for the longest time. Yeah, that's great. Very helpful. 
If you don't mind, I'd like to take just a few minutes before we wrap up this episode and explore any tips you have for the classroom in particular. So we've talked a lot about keeping our teachers healthy. Now let's zoom into the classroom. They are filled with bodies and contact surfaces and shared items and all those other elements that naturally result in sharing of germs and other things like that. So do you have any tips for teachers on how to help keep their classrooms clean, their students healthy, especially I'm thinking as we navigate some of those sick seasons, as we call them throughout the year? Absolutely. So ideally, sick students and sick teachers would stay home. But we know that that's not always the case. Or sometimes people may be getting sick and don't realize it and they come to work or they come to school. So it's impossible to completely avoid exposure to all of those germs, especially during cold and flu season. But there are some things we can do to try to minimize the impact on our health and on the health of our students. Um, The number one thing, and this is going to be like Basic, basic. This is what we teach our young children. Hand washing. Hand washing is absolutely the number one way to prevent the spread of illness and germs within the classroom or anywhere. So wash those hands or use that hand sanitizer as much as possible, especially if you've been touching a lot of stuff and before eating and that type of thing. Also, avoid touching your face. Because if we do get those germs on our hands and we haven't been able to get to the sink or to the hand sanitizer, then we touch our face. And that's often the way that the germs make it into our bodies. So limiting exposure to um, to those germs by not introducing them to our bodies through our face. Um, and then when it's feasible, try to space out the kids. You know, if there's a lot of illness running through the school and we're aware of it, putting a little bit extra space between the desks, which, of course, we all learned during covid You know, we all got kind of used to that. But if we do know that there's a lot of stuff going around, kind of keeping the space or minimizing the very high close contact activities during those time periods would be helpful. And then wipe down those common surfaces regularly. If there's things that in the classroom that children are touching frequently, hit those with the hand sanitizer or with the the Lysol wipes to try to minimize the amount of germs that are um, that that we're picking up and getting on our hands, and then keep tissues available. Um, you know that way we, we try to teach the kids how to use them. But if there are tissues available, at least maybe we'll contain some of the germs. And then of course teach them how to throw them away properly. Um, the main ways that we can try to avoid illness and to keep our immune system functioning well is so that we can fight off those germs is to try to keep our bodies as healthy as possible. And it all goes back to that diet and exercise that we've talked about um, at length already. Diet and exercise. That is the recurring theme. Yes. (laughs) That's great. That's fabulous, April. That's really helpful and very doable. And I think coming through COVID, those things were so front and center and highlighted all the time. We had signs and stickers and everything else. And now you know, it's good to be reminded of those basics, get back to washing those hands and wiping those surfaces. And I know we can't avoid everything. But obviously, as you said, there are things we can do to help ourselves and help our students. Now, before we sign off, I do have a question from a listener, and it ties in perfectly with today's theme. So let's take a listen. Hello, my name is Carol, and I'm from Mendelian, Illinois. I'm looking for some advice regarding staying healthy as a teacher or student new to a school setting and environment. I've heard that there are over-the-counter products that are supposed to help support our immune systems. And I was just wondering if you would comment to that or speak to that. And I greatly appreciate your help. Thank you. 
Oh, yes. Those first few years can be rough and it can be so frustrating to navigate catching every bug you come in contact with. It right. So, April, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, as we've said, the best way to boost our immune system is to be healthy. Eat the right things. Try to stay healthy, you know, with regular exercise. Avoid smoking. Get in that fresh air getting adequate sleep. Those are kind of the basics, which we've already talked about. Um, but there are a kajillion products on the market that are out there saying, you know, we'll, we'll keep you from getting the cold or we'll keep you from getting a flu or we'll make you feel better. It's a high dollar industry. Um, but in general, the best way to get those vitamins and those nutrients is through your diet. So eating the fruits and the vegetables, all of those colorful things that we see in the produce section, that is a much better, more effective way to get those vitamins vitamins into our body and then therefore help support our immune system as it tries to fight off these germs. In general, we're going to absorb something a lot better if we're eating it as opposed to taking it in a capsule or in a supplement form. Now, as we said before, we're not always eating the things that we should. It's not always practical to get in all of those nutrients that we want. So there is some suggestion of evidence that taking a daily multivitamin might help fill in the gaps. If you realize, oh, I am really not getting my fruits and vegetables in this week. It's just not happening. Taking a multivitamin, there may be some benefit there. There's low risk of harm associated with that. So there might be some use in taking a daily multivitamin. But aside from that, there's not a lot of research to suggest a benefit. So a lot of people will take mega doses of this vitamin or that vitamin. But in general, our bodies can't absorb but a small fraction of that. So in general, wash your hands, eat your fruits and vegetables, maybe take a multivitamin, get your exercise in, make sure you're getting plenty of rest. If you still get sick, as it's inevitable, especially during those first couple of years when your body is being introduced to these germs that we haven't seen in a long time, and so you don't have antibodies already waiting to fight them off, um, what can we do to try to get well quicker? Well, drink plenty of fluids. That helps your body fight off the germs more effectively. Get plenty of rest. And um, use the over-the-counter cough and cold medicines. They do help mitigate the symptoms, help you feel better while your body is fighting it off. A lot of the times, these are viral things that are floating through the schools. So an antibiotic is not going to do anything to help many of them. Um, but resting and just getting the rest that you need and drinking the fluids and toughen it out. Um, but hopefully, if we can make some of these steps beforehand, we can minimize the amount of sick days that you're having to deal with because it is tough during those first couple of years when you've not been exposed to these germs in a long time, you are more susceptible to them. But these measures may be helpful in minimizing your risk. Yeah, that's great. And it kind of goes back to that whole idea of just planning and getting our bodies what they need all along and help build that up. These are great insights and suggestions. And as a non-medical professional, so my doctor, it's definitely in the wrong field for this entire episode, but I would definitely echo the need to take time to rest and really just get away from it and get some downtime. It helps mentally because it's just nonstop being an educator, you know, or a doctor, so many fields, it's just nonstop. And there's so much to learn in a new setting as the new teachers coming in or a student in a new environment Whatever, whatever situation you find yourself in, it's a lot of new all at once. And to take that breather, go on a walk, go play in a, you know, go play a game, go to an event. And it seems like you're wasting valuable time. And I'm preaching to myself on this as well. But the mental break just makes you fresher for what you need to do. And I found that 
so many times and I found myself thinking, I have no business at this activity or this fellowship or whatever it was. But when it was over, it had done so much good for me and refreshed me more than I could have imagined. And I was in a better frame of mind to get done what I need to do. And it, it lowered the stress level and just taking time to sleep. Like you said, we function better when we sleep, but we don't think we can sleep because we'll never get it all done. And it, it is a mental battle, but you know, it's not going to get done if you're sick or you're burned out either. So exactly. get in there and rest. April, thank you for your expert advice. I just really appreciate that you gave us specifics. You gave us things to work through and work for, and both on that question and our whole time together. So thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been another very great episode. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was too. Remember to go to teacheredishonpodcast.com to submit your questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day because every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through his grace working in you. Go do what God has called you to do. 